Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Good morning. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here to speak with you. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, uh, you have heard uh, a series about kindness. You've been hearing a lot about how we can show kindness and how we live with kindness, how we can be the action of kindness, of how we can be kind. And I love that because your words and your life does impact others on how you express who Jesus is and how he lives in you. And sometimes those few words can help disarm somebody, bring joy to someone, or help even give hope to people who are looking for that. And so today I want to talk to you from a message that really just kind of got uh, stirred up in me. Because a few weeks ago, when I was ministering, uh, there was a a man who came to me, and he was just in a place of, just pray. I don't know, but just pray. And right there and then, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me for that individual, and the words I got was, welcome home. Those two simple words, welcome home, completely brought this grown man into tears because God knew exactly what he needed to hear to help bring healing, to help him know that God is listening and he's not forgotten. If you see the sign up there, just know that if you go through the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow these sermon slides and notes and everything else through that. Please access it through your Bible app, either on your Apple or Android devices. So I want to read a little bit from you or to you from the story of the prodigal son. I think that story is a very well-known story throughout history. You see a lot of people quote from it or speak to that. But I love how Jesus really began to speak this story because he lived here to reveal and to show the heart of who the father is in heaven. A lot of times we think in order for us to make our way back to God, that we have to do all of these actions and steps and hopefully, and hopefully it's enough. But I want to share with you today that God is speaking out loud and the spirit of Christ is saying, welcome home. So in Luke 15, we will be reading, starting with verse 11, and it says, Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered, he spent his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Jesus, I pray that your anointing will rest in this place, that your presence will come. And Jesus, I know that your holy angels are here to minister salvation and also to minister healing. And we believe this in Jesus' name. 
I pray. It's so interesting because a lot of times we think that restoration has to come in a certain way or avenue where one party has to come to someone else to say, hey, I'm sorry, let's make this right, woe is me. And it's interesting because we see this story where Jesus said there was a son and how in so many ways he disrespected his father. Let me show you how. How many of you living today who have parents still alive would ever say to your parents, hey, dad, hey, mom, you know what? I want my inheritance now. Basically, two things will happen. One, they will cut you out of your will so there's no inheritance because they know all you want is the money. But then two, you also drive a knife into their heart because you're basically saying, well, mom, dad, I I wish you were already dead because I just want my money. And so it's so interesting of how this story is displayed because in this context, we see how everything was going right within this family. The son had everything he needed. He had protection. He had the safety. He had the finances. He was living in the place where there was no dysfunction. And I know sometimes we personally, within our families, we have dysfunction or problems or issues within our relationships. And because of those problems, sometimes family members, like husbands and wives, sons and daughters, and, you know, moms and dads and all that, they stop speaking to one another. They separate and allow all these years of that unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever it is to drive, we say a wedge in between the relationships we have with people here and now. God wasn't just talking about the family or relationships that we have with one another, but he was also trying to talk about the relationship of God, our father, of God himself and his relationship with all of humanity. Because it's interesting how Jesus says, you know, these people were lost. If we were lost, that means at one time in God's all-knowing knowledge, we were his possession. We were his family. We were a part of God. And he's saying, but this person decided to go off because he wanted to go his own way. He is lost and I'm looking to find them. Why do sometimes sons and daughters walk away? I don't know. Why do sometimes within families such big arguments and big issues begin to develop where it separates families apart? I want to encourage you today If you have a son or daughter living in your household or a mom or a dad or a husband and a wife that seems like they're so far away from God and you want them to know him, but also you want to restore that relationship again, I want to give you hope that now is the season where God is looking to bring back families. That right now is the time where Jesus wants to make what we see as broken as whole. And you're always thinking, well, 
I gave everything to my son. I gave everything to my daughter. I respected them. I loved them. Why did they walk away? I think sometimes, as, as, as a parent, we want to make sure we create an environment, a space where we feel like it's really safe. You know, that's kind of like a, a, a word you hear a lot now, safe spaces. It's too funny. Maybe just in America. Um, and, you know, you know, we want to protect you, so let's go to your safe space. And sometimes, as parents, we protect our kids so much, and we never let, let them experience what it is to really be a follower of Jesus, what it is to have this life with Christ. We're saying, you can't do this. You can't do that. No, don't go there. And we're always trying to put them in a box. And we call it safety. I'm going to tell you something. This is why in some households, there are children who says, I've been so confined in this restricted box that I just want to go out and experience life. It is God's desire that we experience life here and now in Christ. This life in Christ is supposed to be a fun, dynamic experience. Not just a history lesson. Not just a religious ritual. Because if all you do is just say, I'm going to take you to church so you can learn history lessons, then you completely miss the point. But let me tell you something. Parents today, if you have people in your household, bring them with you. Bring them into these little um, medical trips that we might do in in the Dessa areas, let them come and experience what it is to be part of a connect group where they pray for people and they see demonic spirits come out in Jesus' name. Because once they experience what it is to live in Christ, they will get a taste and they want more. And a lot of times, we don't allow them to go through those tests. This is why my daughter's my oldest daughters, who are now 11 and 12, from time to time, I purposefully, on purpose, take them out with me to certain trips. And they've seen it. Sometimes they're like in our house looking people who are, who are so demonized and so attacked by demonic spirits. They become set free. There's been times my girls are looking with wide eyes thinking, this is what we read in the Bible and it's happening today. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is what I want to encourage you to do today. As you're living in Christ, don't let it be just a ritual or history lesson. But let it be something that you can expose them to so they can be excited in this relationship we have with God. Verse 14 reads like this. After he had spent everything, this is the young man, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. That's pretty gross. But no one gave him anything. Have a fun video that I want to play for you that I took in North Bali. Let's play that. Can we make that louder? I want to hear all the demonic noises. 
Oh, gosh. All right. Amen, amen, amen. All right, that's enough. I remember I took this video uh, when I was out, you know, out and about. We were visiting some people and we were ministering. And on the way to another village, we stop at this pig farm that's in North Bali. And when I went there, that pig pen was so dirty and smelly. And I remember when those little piglets were drinking the milk, it was so loud. I'm like, oh my goodness, it sounds like demonic spirits are manifesting right here in the pig pen. So I took a video, sent it to my wife. So I just thought you can enjoy that video as well. Because we just read how this young man, when he spent everything, he had needs. He was at a low point. And it says so low that he was looking to eat the food that the pigs eat. Now, if you ever see the food that pigs eat, it is not appetizing at all. So you must be really, really hungry in order to want food like that. So my question for you is this. How can we help those who are lost? How can we help those who are far away from God? How can we help those within our family who decided to cut communication and want nothing to do with you? I believe the one thing we should be doing is praying. Praying is more than just talking in words and then saying amen at the end. But prayer is where we get to release faith over a situation. Prayer is when we begin to release uh, that person or that situation to God. And a lot of times we think our worrying is when we worry, we, we are praying. But if you ever go into your prayer closet and you have something that's really consuming you, something that's heavy, and you go into your prayer closet You should come out from that place of prayer at least feeling better or transformed in your thinking. It doesn't mean the situation changes, but if you don't leave transformed, then that prayer session you had with God was more a complaining session. Can I get an amen on that one? Because when you are in the presence of God Almighty, it should bring about a change in your thinking, in your heart. When you're saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be all right. How else can we help those who are in need? We should encourage people. Let them know that this is not the end. Remind them that there is hope. Remind them that God is willing to help them. Encourage them as much as you can. You can help them by giving finances. You can do all these things. You can speak life. You can listen. But then there's sometimes where people will just listen to you. But then after a little while, they go back to doing the same thing. And I believe this is really important for us to take away. How else can we help those who are in need? Sometimes it's the hardest thing. We need to let them go. And you're thinking, what? No way. I can't do that. What happens is sometimes some people in your lives are so used to one individual or you being the savior, rescuing them, helping them. It's always you, yourself, and you. Can't think of another word. 
And what happens, they get so used to going to you when they're stuck and they have nowhere else to go. So now you become the savior. You become the answer. And there's times you just need to like learn how to let go and say, God, I lived, I leave them in your hands because some people have to hit rock bottom, the lowest point in their life where they're willing to realize that I surrender. And at that point, that's when God becomes real. So allow God to be God in their lives and know that even though you cannot control it, if you let them go, believe in the one who we call Jesus will meet them where they are and try to rescue them where they stand. I remember uh, just, just recently, this past week, I went to go visit someone in one of the prisons here in Bali. And uh, I went to go visit him because uh, I remember a few years back, I, I, was, I was the one who, who really poured into his life. I, you know, brought him to his relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I baptized him. I poured into him. I, you know, sat with him. I canceled with him. And, and I remember a year or so after his life in Christ, I noticed that there was a lot of, like, pride building up. A lot of, you could say, arrogance in a place where he wasn't willing to listen. He wasn't teachable. And I'm the one who was doing all this stuff, helping them financially, you name it. And I remember, I just learned, I need to let go and allow God to do what he does best. And so he finds himself in prison today, and he has another five years or so he needs to serve. And I had a chance to go visit him in the, we say, Banjara, yeah, the prison. And when I went to go visit him, I saw the heart of, man, I'm sorry. I messed up. He was crying at times, emotional. And I said, it's going to be okay. And I said, welcome home. He was at a place, he said, Pastor Jay, I'm at church every day now. I read my Bible every day. And I realize how wrong and how foolish I was. But until we're willing to let people go, we cannot help them. Because now we're trying to take the place of God. And the last time I checked, God is the best at restoring and healing and forgiving and building people up with purpose. Not you and not I. Let's continue to read. Verse 17. It reads... When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. One interesting part I love about this story that Jesus shares, and I believe that everything that Jesus shared wasn't hypothetical. But I believe he really saw that maybe an interaction happened between a man and a woman. What he saw the father show him. The stories he tells is what he saw the father in heaven do. And the interesting part about this, not once in these few verses do you see the son say, I'm sorry for what I did. 
he just said, man, life was so much better back in my dad's house. And the reason why I highlight this portion to you, because a lot of times we want to make sure people are sorry before we can start a relationship again. We want to make sure that they repent and they come to you with their head down saying, oh, woe is me. I did wrong. How could I? I'm dirty. I'm nothing. Look at me. I'm awful. And then now we want to take the place of God and making sure that other people feel the sorriness and the hurt and the pain before we can bring them back in to have a relationship, to restore. But I love the heart of the father where he says, where he says these things. It's okay. Come back. It's never too late. I'm going to keep reading. Shame leads you away from God, where conviction points you to Christ. I'm skipping some things in my sermon. It's okay because it's not about my sermon, but I want the anointing, the Holy Spirit to rest in this place. I want the anointing of who the living Lord is to rest in our hearts and our minds so that it brings about the change that the Father is looking to do here and now. Shame leads you away from God while conviction points you to Jesus. And a lot of times we want to make sure that people feel ashamed and shameful and make sure they felt like they were wrong before we think change can happen. But I will let you know, a lot of shame keeps you away from God where it isolates you. It thinks no one, no one really cares for you. It makes you feel like, God, you would never, ever be willing to visit me or to forgive me. I remember in the, in the States, back in America, when I was pastoring there, I used to hear this phrase every now and again when I would share with people around the way share about Christ, they would say, man, I can never step back into a church or never step into a church. Can never walk in. I say, well, why? They're like, man, I did so many things wrong. If I step in there, I'm going to burn. And that is a lie from the gates of hell. Because in reality, that's exactly what God wants you to do, is to come back into the arms of a loving father. He wants you to experience his forgiveness. And this is why in verse 20, it reads like this. Verse 20, it reads like this. There we go. I usually have my, my verses on my iPad, but today I didn't bring it with me. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arm around him and kissed him. This is the father who was disrespected. This is the father who gave up his inheritance. This is the father who had every right to say, I want nothing to do with you. But he ran to the son the moment he saw him. And this is the example that God wants us to live. That when we see people where we have disagreements, where we see people where there was a lot of strife, and arguments, and hurt, and pain, that we run to them instead of running away from them. And if you're here this morning, and you feel like, my God, my God, I have done so many things wrong. I have sinned against you. Lord, there is nothing here that can make me clean. I want to let you know, this is why Jesus came. The Bible declares that he did not die for the righteous people, but he came and gave his life 
for the people who are unrighteous, who don't have it together. And today there is hope in him. And I love the rest of the story. The son said, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, 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 bring me the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Not only did the father receive him, but he gave him gifts and blessings and he covered him with a robe. And that robe that God the Father through Jesus Christ wants to cover over your life is a robe of righteousness. It's the robe of joy. It's the garment of his fragrance. Johnson, come up here. Oh, right there. And Jesus wants to cover you with all who he is on you so that anything else that comes around you won't affect the individual. My question, you can keep it. My question for you is this. What robes are you covering other people with? What robes are you covering other people with? Are you saying, you know what? You were wrong, so I'm going to give you the robe of shame. Are you giving them the robe of forgiveness? Or are you covering them with the robe of insult? Are you covering people with the robe, the garment of protection? Were you saying, everyone, stand back. This is my son. This is my daughter. And I'm here to shield them from any of the attacks that people want to put on them. Jesus says, my father in heaven covers you with the robe of forgiveness, the robe of love, the robe of righteousness. So why do we think we have the actual authority to put other robes on people that will weigh them down and keep them away from God Almighty? We have to allow forgiveness to flow in order for restoration of relationships to happen. I feel right now there's some in this room who haven't spoken to your mother, your father, or your, or your sons and daughters in months or weeks. I'm going to ask you right now, if you take this step of faith and obedience, that God will bring about the restoration and the relationship he's looking to do in your heart and in, those, and in that family. Right now, I ask you, if someone's coming to your mind, take out your cell phone and start to text Start to SMS that person saying, hey, I know we haven't spoken in a while, but I want to meet with you. Hey, I know we haven't really talked, and the last time we spoke, it was really bad. Can I talk with you? I feel like that's the place where God wants us to be, where we come to surrender and saying, it's not about who's right or wrong, but it's about restoration and reconciling things with your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. I got to share a quick story. I remember my father, when I first came to Christ about 20 years ago, I had a really terrible relationship with my father, my dad. 
And long story short, I remember one day I was in my bedroom and I was reading the Bible and I'm like six months into my faith and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me all the time. And I get to Matthew chapter six, where it says, if you do not forgive your brother who you do see, neither will your, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. And I'm like, oh, snap. And right away, the Holy Spirit began to bring this rush and waves of emotions of all these pains I did not know about. My dad and I, we had a terrible relationship going out. I, I moved out early on because of that relationship. And now I'm born again. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I remember that happened on a Monday. And that very next Sunday, it was in June, there was the holiday or the celebration called Father's Day. We had to honor your father. And then I remember, okay, my dad and I don't really talk. But if I get a Father's Day card, in the card, I can write a message to him. And my message was very simple. I said, Dad, growing up, you weren't a great father. Here are a couple things you did. And I said, but Dad, also I know I wasn't the greatest son. And I said, but I want to let you know that today I forgive you. Can you forgive me? And I remember that Sunday came up and I went to go visit him and I handed him, I gave him the card, the card with that message. And I was like really excited. I'm like, okay, God, this is the moment where healing will take place. My father took the card, read it through, closed it up, threw it back into my face and said, this is insulting. You disrespected me. And I left and I walked away. But in my heart, I knew I did the right thing because I was following the words of Jesus. And I was praying for my father. Then two days later, my dad came back and he said, son, can we talk? You're right. I was a terrible dad. He was like, please forgive me. And I forgive you. And from that day forward, we had a great relationship where God restored it. If there's someone like you in this household and you need to make a right, I encourage you, there is hope where God wants to do that. Don't allow the pain or the lies of the enemy who wants to keep you separated from the relationship you have with your mom, your dad, or even your son or daughter. Make that first step and don't feel like you have to make the other person apologize. Approach them saying, I just want to be with you again. I want to talk with you again. And I'm going to close with this. God says, welcome home. If you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you don't have a relationship, it's not about going to church it's not really about reading a Bible, but it's about God Almighty coming inside your heart and your body and your spirit and letting him live in you to bring about transformation. I want to let you know that God has his arms wide open through his son, Jesus Christ, and said, all who are willing to come to me, if you believe in me and knowing that I took your place of shame and punishment, there is forgiveness I want to let you know that today can be your day where you can start this journey with God 
through his son and surrendering through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up and I'm going to ask the prayer team to get ready because I believe that God wants to begin to perform some surgeries in our hearts, surgeries within family where he wants to bring healing. Last year when I was back in the States, I want to close with the story. I remember last year when I was in the States, it was a time of just a lot of things happening. I just got back. I was just three months new and I was traveling all over. And because I was traveling a lot, I didn't have the opportunity to actually see my father in person. I didn't have the opportunity to give him a hug. I didn't have an opportunity to sit down and have a meal with him. We spoke on the phone and my dad said, Son, I'm going to go to Puerto Rico, which is an island off of the United States, for vacation. When I get back, he was, he was retired. He was on vacation for one month. He said, when I get back, we'll meet again. We'll talk again. And I already had this whole plan, scheme in my heart, where I was going to preach the gospel to him again. Because he was not a believer in Jesus. His heart was so hardened towards God. This is true. It happens. And I remember I was preaching at a church basically in New York City. And on the way back home to where I live, which was about three hours away or three and a half hours away, I get a phone call from my brother saying, Jason, we got a call from the hospital in Puerto Rico. It's really bad. You need to come. We need to go there now. It's not good. They won't share with us what happened to dad. Just get there. So I already knew that he was in the ICU, intensive care unit, and he was being kept alive by machines. And all I say is, I'm driving up, and I said, God, I know you hear me. I ask you for a five-minute window. Give me five minutes with my dad where he's conscious, where he's awake, where he can hear me. All I want is five minutes. Because I had this big plan of sharing the gospel with him one last time. Because there's no way to heaven. There's no other way to the heart of Father except through Jesus. I get to Puerto Rico. And then what happened is he was in the ICU. And you can only visit him during certain hours of the day. It was from 1.30 to 2 or 7 to 7.30 at night. That's it. No one else is allowed. It's lockdown. We get there. And because they knew we flew in from far away, my family, my brother and sister went downstairs to the administration office of the hospital to fill out the paperwork. And they said, you know what, Jason? You go up there and we'll be down here filling paperwork out. We'll eventually see dad later. So I go into the ICU. And I, they put me in the gowns and all this stuff. And I see my father completely just there, kept alive by machines. And I said, God, I know you gave me a five-minute window. I'm going to take that now. And I began to share the gospel with him. He wasn't awake. But I know he was still conscious because they said that the last organ to go or sense to go is your hearing. And I began to preach the gospel in a very short, loving way like I'd done before in the past. And I said, Dad, are you willing to surrender? And I said, if you are and if you can hear me, repeat this prayer after me. 
So I just would say a prayer like, Jesus, give my life to you. And I would stop and allow my father to hopefully respond. Anyway, I went through this prayer. And at the end, I gave my dad a kiss on the forehead. And I said, dad, I hope I can see you again. I don't know, but God knows. And I hope I can have a meal with you in heaven. 15 seconds after my prayer and saying those words and giving him a kiss, boop, he flatlined. He was gone for eternity. And I don't think it was a coincidence, but I believe God gave me an opportunity. But I want to share with you, why do we wait to the last minute to make things right with God? The Bible declares that a life is like a vapor. It's like steam. It can be here one minute and gone the next. We don't know. But we just heard the story and how Jesus says, no matter where you are, just get up and I'll run to you. I will meet you where you are so that you can have life everlasting. And it's not about making it to heaven. But it's about living with joy and peace and righteousness here and now. It's about being transformed where you go from depression to joy. If you're here this morning, morning, we want to pray with you. I'm going to ask everyone to just stand up with me. Stand up, please. We have the prayer team. And if you want salvation this morning, I want you to run to these altars and find someone who will pray with you. If you want forgiveness, they will lead you into this beautiful relationship with God. This beautiful thing we call salvation. Come forward. And also, if you have relationships that are broken, come forward. We want to pray and minister with you. And allow God to be God over your life and over your relationships. Come Come forward. We want to pray with you. Don't allow the lies to hold anything back or yourself to hold anything back. Come. Keep coming. I know there's more. Don't allow shame to speak louder than the truth of God. In the name of Jesus, we silence the demonic spirit of shame. Be quiet. No more. And allow this truth to overwhelm your thoughts, your heart, and your history. I guess worship team, lead us in something. But we're going to leave these open for a few minutes. Because we want God to meet with you and minister to you. He wants to restore the relationship between sons and daughters and fathers and sons and mothers and everyone else. He also wants you to know salvation. It says, come to me. Let's celebrate. Because you were one lost. You were once lost, but now you're found. You were once dead, but now you're alive through Christ Jesus. Amen.